0: One of the the tragic mistakes that we make is we think that a, a spiritual life has all kinds of prerequisites, and that until I have done and accomplished and achieved A, B, and C, I'm not worthy of a spiritual life. And a lot of people deprive themselves not just of a monastic life, we'll come to the monastic life in a moment, but there's this sense of I'm not yet worthy of God's grace until I do A, B, and C or X, Y, and Z. First, I'll achieve this, do that, I'll never miss a morning's meditation, I'll never hit the snooze button, I'll never have a thought of anger or greed or lust, I'll never allow my ego to run away with me, then I'll be ready. Then I'll be worthy of a spiritual path. But thankfully, thankfully for all of us, it's not like that. Grace isn't waiting for you to be worthy. Grace is just waiting for you to be ready. Grace is always there. That spiritual life is always there for us. Whether you got up on time to meditate or whether you hit that snooze button until 10 a.m., either way, grace is there. And so, when you speak on a more specific level of monasticism, it's taking very specific vows. So a normal spiritual life is just about opening ourselves to spirit, drawing our awareness, our consciousness, deeper and deeper into spirit, into consciousness, into pure awareness. The monastic life adds an element to it. And that element are very specific, logistic vows. Vows of celibacy, vows of non-attachment, vows of complete dedication to God. There are very specific, very powerful rituals that we go through prior to taking vows of celibacy, prior to taking vows of sannyas, vows of a monastic life, to help burn through a lot of that that past karma. The patterns from our past, I'm not sure that they're ever completely gone. And I'm not sure that that's even ever really necessarily the goal. The goal is not so much about obliterating your past or annihilating your past or erasing the past. It's simply about freeing yourself from the past. And so, that pattern may still be there on some level of the subconscious mind, but as long as you are able to bring consciousness to it, so that you're not acting as a slave to the subconscious mind, so that you're not acting out that pattern, that's the primary thing, is to bring consciousness the unconscious, to bring consciousness to the subconscious, so that I'm able to say if a thought arises, oh, there is a thought that is a a consequence of, a ramification of, connected to this experience from my past. Or something as simple as connected to this pattern of chemical hormones in my body and everything in between. We bring consciousness to it. We simply notice it. We realize, ah yeah, I have that pattern. Oh yeah, I have that particular tendency. That doesn't have to be obliterated before you embark on a monastic path. What has to be obliterated though is the the loss of consciousness into subconscious autopilot such that those patterns end up dictating not only a thought in my mind, a passing thought that I'm able to bring my mind back to the breath, back to my mantra, back to the moment, but a thought that leads to an action. That's what we need to be absolutely free of. And the first and most important way is simply awareness. Patterns have control over us, have power over us, when we are not aware of them when they grab us unconsciously, force us to act, when we literally become unconscious slaves to them. But if we know, okay, this is my pattern, and we are aware, conscious. For example, anger. One of my favorite experiments is, and demonstrations is to say to people, okay you've got 30 seconds to become furious on the count of three 30 seconds you have to become furious one two three go now people people can't do that why because anger is unconscious now sitting here I can certainly think of things that make me angry. Everyone can. And if you can't, think of children dying of hunger. Think of women dying in childbirth. Think of trees being cut down. I mean, there's, there's plenty of things in our world to, to make us angry. But we cannot consciously generate rage. Fury. Why? Because it comes when we're unconscious. And that's why so many of us, after an episode of anger, say things like, oh my God, that wasn't me. I didn't mean it. Well, if you didn't mean it, then who was it? If it wasn't you, who was it? What we mean when we say that is, I wasn't conscious. I wasn't in my conscious So anger requires unconsciousness. It requires me to be moving literally on my subconscious, unconscious autopilot, patterning. Taking vows of monasticism doesn't mean I will never have a trigger of anger. What it means is I won't act on it. Because it means that in my In my vow, in my commitment to consciousness, being awake, renunciation, part of what I renounce is unconsciousness, acting out of just impulse and instinct, again, whether it's lust or greed or ego or whatever it may be. So, a thought may still arise. You don't have to wait for the thoughts to go before you embark. But you just have to be grounded enough in consciousness and awareness that you don't act on them. And then something very beautiful happens also, which is the The vows of that path, the actual ritual of renouncing in and of itself is so powerful that there is an almost alchemic transformation that takes place when you are initiated into an order of monasticism. And that initiation, the power of that, the power of the vows, the power of the ritual, actually propels you forward in a lot of ways. We still have to do the work. It's not, unfortunately, a a magic wand that wipes you, wipes you free of the thoughts or the patterns. But it's very, very, very powerful to give you the ability to not be a slave to the patterns. So acknowledge the past, see it, be aware of it, know what the patterns are, and then engage in practices, meditation, mindfulness. in every minute, every moment, such that although the thought pattern may arise, you're conscious, you're aware, you're able to see it, and you don't fall prey to it.